Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. We're so glad you're tuning in today. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I'm on staff on the Erie campus, and you'll find that we travel quite a bit in this podcast to visit all three campuses at Calvary Bible Church. We're so glad you're listening today. It's Tuesday, and I have my really good friend, my my counterpart on the Boulder Count. Boulder campus is Perry Marshall. Hi, Perry. Hey, Jay. Good to be with you today, man. Does my voice sound exceptionally deep today? You do sound deep. I, I might be say. the morning little morning recordings. James Earl Jones here. <laughs> it's good. Perry, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Yeah, yeah it's it's a it's been a good week so far, and just good to be here. Yeah, you, you live a busy life. You have a bunch of kiddos running around these days, don't you? Yeah, we have. We're just, life is full, man. I just, yesterday, I um, bought a third car for our family Whoa. because our, my daughter is 17 and has many of her own schedule requirements. And, yeah. you know, my other kids have their own schedule requirements. So we got to the point where we were at the breaking point. <laughs> we were definitely at the breaking point. So we're now a three car family, a point that I was kind of hoping in my younger years, I would never have to get to. But yeah. I had to give in. That's so. hilarious. Well, congratulations Thank on you. that third car and the freedom that you're yeah, about to right. experience. It is a little bit of freedom. And uh, your comes, daughter is going to experience. Yeah, she'll get it too. <laughs> I've been clear this whole time. This is not your car, <laughs> but I did buy another car that I want you to use. <laughs> that was a line that John Boyle gave me. So credit, credit to John. That's great. That's great. Hey, Calvary, we're so glad you're listening. Like I said, already this morning, you can go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. There's so many great things happening at Calvary. This is Holy Week. We got a Good Friday service, Easter egg hunts, Easter services, and wow, what a fun treat to see everyone last week at church. Seems like everyone has officially come back. Really seems like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> who knows? But I, I hope that um, even for people who haven't come back, that they are at another place of worship. Yeah, and, totally, you know, yeah, totally. uh, I hope they're not just staying away permanently. That's um, right. But I, I ran into about three, maybe five families that this was their first Sunday back. That's awesome. So, yeah. And I was just so like, good. oh man, so good to see you. So good. To, yeah. You're here. You know, it's this beautiful thing. It so is. Easter, Easter's coming. Yeah. Okay. Perry, I really got to ask you this question. Why is Holy Week so unholy sometimes? Mm. What do you mean by unholy, Jay? I mean, just perpetually busy and, yeah. you know, not very restful. Yeah. Well, um, a couple things. I think as a culture in the U.S., we aren't, you know, our calendars don't provide a gap quite like they do around Christmas and Advent. Yeah. Um, and not to say that Christmas and Advent is this time of great rest and relaxation either because we've, you know, commercialized everything and filled in all, every gap in our calendar. But Easter just happens in the middle of the storm of this time of the year. Yeah. And I think it's hard for people to find the margin, the space to be able to reflect and slow down a little bit and think about the significance of what's going on. So hopefully through a good Friday service and through what's going to happen on Sunday, that's an opportunity for people to have that time to reflect on and 
and be reminded of the significance of everything that we're celebrating and remembering this week. Yeah, that's a really good reminder. Yeah, you know, this week is such an important week to our faith. Maybe maybe the most important. Yeah, it is most important. Yeah. And um, it's a great time to go back and read these stories once again to um, think about what, you know, this is Tuesday. What was Jesus doing on the last Tuesday of his life? And sort of ponder all those things that journey in the story again, refreshing yeah. them. Right. So, you know, it's it's pretty hard to do, though. It is. Because there's like baseball practices, <laughs> laundry, you know, <laughs> groceries, yeah, meal, yep. dishes, you know. Yeah, it's very true. And there were those things that last week of Jesus' life, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it seems like you have to you have to make a decision that you are going to no matter what slow down, take some space in your, you know, carve out some space in your schedule this week to think about those things. Otherwise, you're just not going to have time. Most people are not going to have time to really give it its due in your own heart and mind. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So make some space this week, you know, pause, especially maybe Saturday, may already set your calendar up so that you can read some of these stories, prayerfully consider what the Easter implications are for you this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so you were up online. You were in Boulder campus. We're in James 3. What do you find, I keep asking this every week, but we have different guests every week. How how have you found reading James? What are some of the things that really stick out to you as you've read and studied James that would be helpful for us? Yeah, I think overall, for me, the thing that I keep coming back to is the idea of wisdom. Um, this is like wisdom unleashed in our lives. It, um, you know, hits us between the eyes. I hear other people make that same comment in, right. in various ways, but some people actually use that phrase. Oh, yeah, it's hitting me between the eyes. Um, I, I just feel like James is addressing issues of life that we can all relate to that are problematic for us. And James is showing us what wisdom looks like in each of these areas. That's how I would just distill things down in terms of what James is doing. And that's how I experienced the book. Yeah, that's really good. You know, have you, what have you found helpful in reading James? Is it to read a chapter a day? Is it to read it all in one sitting? Is it to um, read it like by paragraph by paragraph as your sort of devotional life? Yeah, and just truth be told, I haven't spent a lot of devotional time in the book um, since we've been in it. I kind of have a different um, set of habits that I do for my more devotional reading. Yeah. But I've been through the book a number of times. Um, I had the great advantage of having had a class in seminary on this book and having preached other passages in other places and times. Um, out of this book. So there's some things that are familiar, but like everything in God's word, um, even if I've been through something a dozen times, I find things that are fresh and new insights that I didn't never caught before. And that same experience is happening again. As I go through the book, I'm seeing things that I never saw before. And it's one thing to read a passage. It's another thing to prepare to teach or preach on a passage. Yeah. Like, there, there are, you see layer upon layer upon layer, like, you know, the proverbial onion that people talk about peeling back the onion, peeling back the layers on it. 
Um, it's, it's like that with God's word, and James is certainly no exception to that. I, I just find new things, new challenges, um, new questions come to come to mind too. Like, what is James getting at? What is he looking for? And in this particular passage, one of the greatest questions that I was wrestling with and preparing to preach is where's the redemptive thread in mm. this whole passage? Because it just seems like discouraging, negative, and just difficult to get through so that's that question of man where do i see the gospel in here yeah and where did you find that well i kind of had to step back from the immediate verses and passages and phrases in um, verses 1 through 12 and i i think you can see it though um, but I was going to, I'll finish my train of thought originally. I, I stepped back and looked at it in terms of the big picture of how James's words fit in in other places where we see the Bible talking about our speech. So that's, that's one of the things I did. Another thing, though, if you look closely, I think you can see some redemptive ideas and redemptive little clues that James is, is getting at here. And I get this like from, um, actually, Zach pointed this out, how... Um, you have the idea in the early part of this passage of the um, bit mm-hmm. in a horse's mouth and the rudder on a ship. And these are positive images, really. Of it, he, James is making the point about how this little small part of our body can control the rest of the body. And you see that in a positive light, that the tongue has great power just in general. And it can be a power for a great, great um, influence, really positive influence in people's lives. And so that's, that's one of the things that can be really redemptive about it. And James talks about this perfect person who, um, never stumbles in what he says. And he, he mentioned it, mentions it as a conditional kind of thing. If somebody could do this, then they would be a perfect man. And I I think I can't help but read that and just think of, well, there's only one perfect man. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, certainly where I see a redemptive message coming through in the midst of this passage. Totally. And James lived with that perfect man. Yeah. He saw how he used his tongue. Yeah, exactly. He saw how that tongue was actually controlled. Mm -hmm. The bit and the rudder were controlling that man. Yeah. Yeah. In some positive ways. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. What, what have you taken away thinking about James being the brother of Jesus? How have you, you know, can you just imagine those days and those time frames and you know we were just in my men's study this is sort of a tangent but we were in men's study and we were talking about uh the time that jesus preached in his hometowns in nazareth and isaiah 61 came to the scroll yeah. and uh the town wanted to kill him like yeah. james was there yeah at synagogue for most likely he's a younger brother of jesus so he's probably there how incredible is that to think about James seeing these stories, hearing this language that his brother was using? Yeah, it is. It is pretty mind blowing, and it just I think in my mind immediately raises a bunch of questions that I don't have answers to. Yeah, you, totally. You can't find in scripture, but yeah. yeah, wondering what was it like to be in the house or be outside, and it's you and your brother. And your brother just so happens to be the son of God. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I can't imagine that. And um, it just, it does raise so many questions that, you know, someday um, think of how incredible it would be to 
go up to James and to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I should just stop right there, but to, to go up to them and to talk about that, you know, so what was it like if you were arguing? Like, right. What was it like to argue with the son of God <laughs> <laughs> while you're growing up yeah. in the house? Yeah. How um, do you share a room with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I've heard there's an, another preacher who's nationally known, but he's he's raised the question of um, what would it take for your brother to convince you that he was the son of God? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. just you know, thinking about that question just it can you know capture your mind and imagination for um, quite a while. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So James uses uh, quite a few metaphors here. Uh, yeah, um, about the tongue to explain the tongue. What metaphors really stuck out to you in your own sort of heart as you pondered this message? Yeah, well, certainly I, I see the, the, the bit, the bridle, the rudder. Um, the spark. This, yeah, and I'm going to get Sorry. to that. No, 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 you're good. Um, so those are, I think those are powerful in their own way. Um, like in terms of the, um, maybe in particular, the, the fact that, this large creature like a horse can be 1100 1200 pounds yeah. or so and has a mind of its own and yet this little bit in the mouth can control it and you know in the rudder like james says here look at the ships though they're so large and are driven by strong winds and if you've been out on the ocean you know like how powerful those winds and waves can be but yet this small little rudder can guide it mm-hmm. um which i think is those are powerful in their own way, but like you said, um, the fire that to me is the most po- the most powerful one, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because I've I'm just so familiar with the damage of the tongue, mm-hmm. um, because I've either been around that damage, or I've experienced been on the receiving end of some of that damage, mm-hmm. um, but I've certainly also started my own fires, mm-hmm. and um, it is just such an apt analogy to the damage that words can do and an untamed tongue can do in somebody's life. And then you just throw on top of that, the fact that we've had this tragedy in our own area with the Marshall fire and having had the opportunity to volunteer one day with Samaritan's person, some other staff here. And, you know, that experience of sifting through those ashes you know, just shows you, man, this is the devastation of a fire. And James is saying that the tongue that's untamed is like that. Yeah. Like it, that, that really stuck in my mind. So no doubt. That's really good. Perry. You, you also mentioned that, um, which was really appropriate for the week. And this is why preachers have to read the news, but Twitter had just started thinking about putting an edit button yeah. on their, on their tweets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all been there. We've sent tweets with misspellings or poor grammar or things like that, and you just have to live with it or delete it. Right. You know, there's no edit in that. And the tongue right. is that way, isn't it? Yeah, there's no there's no taking it, taking it back. Um, you know, you can, obviously. We are, um, it's very biblical to apologize, to seek forgiveness, and we can, we should, and we can do that. Um, but in a way there's something like you, you can't put the fire back in the match. You can't put the ember back in the campfire. You know, once it's been released, there's no undoing the damage that our words can do. 
Um, even though we can be forgiven, and that's beautiful, we can we can seek reconciliation, and God can grant that by His grace. But damage is done that cannot be undone um, in the case of the tongue, and that's that's just a reality that we've all experienced to one degree or another. Yeah, I keep thinking about the tongue with the war going on between Ukraine right. and Russia, and how. Even in the news cycles, we're watching political use of tongue and the careful wording of phrases and ideas because you can't take some of those things back and they could lead to escalation. Yeah. You know, sometimes words can lead to de-escalation. Mm-hmm. And can. we've watched that in history of the United States. But we, the, these ambassadors have written statements, these UN representatives, that, what, 40 people have read? To make sure it's the right phrase to yeah. be read exactly how it's printed out. Yeah, right. Words are very carefully crafted in those kinds of environments. Um, and even then, though, things can be stated in a way that can easily be misunderstood or confused. And that's a danger in its own right. I think in my own experience, the most dangerous setting is when you're just off the cuff mm-hmm. and nothing is scripted, nothing's rehearsed. And especially whenever your guard is down mm-hmm. and um, that, that to me is where um, you're really vulnerable to the damage of the tongue because you're just not expecting something to set you off to, you know, we use the word trigger, whatever it is. Um, but it, we all have our episodes and things that suddenly catches by surprise and the, the tongue is usually the most impulsive part of our body mm-hmm. in that kind of a setting. We just we can just say something without even thinking about it. Like our mind literally was not engaged in whatever just came out of our mouth. And, man, I know that all too well. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so we talked about this in my life group this week with your sermon questions. And this is you're the person to ask, is sarcasm, where does sarcasm play in the Christian life? I, I don't even, I don't know why you would ask me that question, Jay. <laughs> if, you, if you've been around, Perry, more than five minutes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I feel yeah. like in American culture, we've gotten more and more sarcastic. Yeah. We have not always been this sarcastic. Could be. Yeah. But it's, it, you know... One time someone said, it's my love language. And I was like, that is a horrible <laughs> thing to say as your love language. Yeah, that is. But where, how does sarcasm play in the Christian life? Mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of people being sarcastic. And uh, I, I think um, you have to say that not all sarcasm probably fits neatly into the same bucket. Oh, yeah. Um, however... I think that sarcasm can sarcasm can easily be a way to get a laugh. Uh, I think actually, I think sarcasm usually is a way to try to get a laugh, but sarcasm can easily be a veiled, indirect form of communication where you're trying to say one thing, but you really have something else that you're communicating, but you're trying to put it in language that kind of makes it funny. And has a little bit of an edge to it, maybe. Right. And so you end up saying something without saying it. Mm -hmm. And usually that can be unhealthy, I would say. 
um, rather than being direct. I'm not going to say like 100% of the time it's bad or wrong right. or anything like that. But uh, I think it, it can become like um, uh, I have heard that there are people <laughs> out there who may employ it too frequently. And if you get in the habit of relying on it all the time, too frequently, then um, it can easily become like a cheap form of communication mm -hmm. where you're trying to avoid saying something that's difficult to say or, you know, you're kind of avoiding the real issue that's at stake. And and I've even heard people talk about it as a veiled form of anger mm -hmm. too. Like you, you have this anger, and again, it's that indirect communication where you're trying to not show that you're angry so you're using sarcasm and that actually disarms people because it's a little bit funny, whatever you said. But really, um, if you're being totally open and honest with people, um, maybe what you really want to say or maybe what you're really feeling would not get anybody to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and it would create some tension. Um, so you use sarcasm. Yeah. I know. It's interesting, right? Like this oh, yeah. is a very cultural thing for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is one way in which we do communicate funny ideas and joke around. But also, it has some implications for our relationships. Right. So, definitely, I think it's interesting for us at Calvary to, you know, maybe pause this week and think about how we use sarcasm. Are we expressing something that's just funny? Are we just joking around? Or is there some type of root, like you said, maybe some anger or maybe the uncomfortable feelings of having to say something we don't want to say. Right. And bailing it. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I figured you would be the guy to talk to. I, 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 have, I have been around enough sarcastic people in my life, Jay, <laughs> that I unfortunately happen to be familiar with. Yeah, totally. That way. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really <laughs> funny. Okay, so uh, let's talk about, let's change the subject here. Let's talk about something you do week to week that can, most people at Calvary don't know you do. And that is write sermon questions here at Calvary. Oh. You've done that for a couple of years now, about three years. You've been through a lot of, quite a bit of sermon series. How, do, when you come to Monday, what is sort of the process in which, uh, you take in order to write the questions that we receive the following weekend for our, our groups and our life groups and or even personal devotional time. Yeah, well, on Monday, I'm not doing a lot usually. Mm -hmm. It's more like a Tuesday afternoon slash Wednesday kind of mind space. Yeah, for but me. you sit in sermon prep on Monday. Yeah, right. So Monday afternoons, we have a, a sermon prep meeting, and it's it's not only prep, it's also a review of last week's sermons, you know, the previous day's sermons, and yeah. as well as the online sermon. Um, so yeah, th those are great meetings just to be able to, to talk more about the passage, what's coming up this week. And that usually helps me get a little bit of a framework and wrap my mind around what's coming up for this week. The, the thing that is a little bit tricky, and I'm sure this comes across in the way the questions read is that we have three, at least three different sermons every weekend mm -hmm. between the three campuses. And then um, sometimes it's even four because somebody might preach the online, like, you know, John could easily preach online and not preach in person anywhere. So in that case, we have four different sermons every weekend. 
And that just means that the questions are never going to hit exactly or align exactly with what you heard on Sunday. Yeah. And then it, it just kind of becomes my own, uh, you know, it's kind of flavored or colored by things that I think would be worthwhile to discuss, but, um, there might be something in the sermon that you heard, whether you were in Thornton, Boulder, Erie, or you listened online that, um, you're kind of bummed that there's not a question that better relates to whatever you you heard. And I always want to tell people the questions are there to help spur conversation. And if you can come up with a question that would be more suitable based off of either what you heard during the service that you were at, or that the question that we supply just has you thinking in a different direction, but it kind of inspired some thought, man, use it. Go, you don't, there's no extra credit for going verbatim off of the sheet of paper that we give you. Mm-hmm. It's just there as a tool, as a resource. Yeah. But someone could actually study God's word in the passage in which Calvary has been at by those sermon questions because they are, you know, they're, they're sort of guides to the text, right? More than guides to what the preacher said. Yeah. Right. They well, end up that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it's great because, you know, we want to be. this is a very churchy word, but Berean, we want to be people who examine the scriptures and don't just take the preacher's word at it, you know, of it. So, yeah, yeah. I'm super thankful for you. Those questions show definitely your spiritual gift of uh, curriculum writing and writing in a theological manner that's very relational. And it's fun because those have definitely raised the bar in my own life group. Oh, great. Praise God. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's really cool to see sort of your work, hard work, because that's a grind. I can't imagine doing that year-round, every week. That's sort of on the back of your mind. Yeah. It's sort of like a preacher has to preach every week. There's always the next sermon. Yeah. You always have the next questions. You're right. Yeah, right. Right. And, it you know, not every week is the same. Some weeks it's more of a, of a cost than other weeks. But overall, I do love doing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I I enjoy it. So it's, you know, it's just one of those things that God has given. Yeah. To whatever extent he's given me a gift to do it. He's also given me a a way to enjoy it too. So I'm just grateful for that. That's really cool. All right, Calvary. We're so thankful you're listening today. Hey, just a reminder, the book of the month that we are reading that you want to catch up on is divine conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Uh, Melissa and I are going to be sitting down later in the month maybe actually early May because Easter is crazy. And we're going to hit record on reading that book. Have you read that book? I have not. I've had, you know, I've read segments that have been quoted, Yeah, but I haven't actually sat down and read cover to cover. Man, I'm, I haven't read it in about 15 years and I'm rereading it right now. Yeah. Fantastic book. I'm like, why, why haven't I picked this back up? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those books. Yeah. It's sort of like J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Yeah. You right. just have to sort of, Read it every two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> or Piper's, you know, yeah. Piper has a book like that too. Yeah, he has a couple of books that are, are widely read. Um, over and over so, again, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, we're reading Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Jump in. We would love to have you in that conversation in the coming weeks. All right, Calvary. Also go to calvarybible.com. Find out what's happening at your campus. Like always, we love hearing from you. You can always write me at the weekly or at my personal email here at Calvary, as well as hit me up in the lobbies or when I'm around your campus and just chat 
Let me know what your favorite part about the weekly is. I love those conversations. Sometimes even at the Walgreens at 8.30 on Wednesday night when I'm picking up ice cream, someone hit me up at there listening to the weekly. Nice. So it's really fun. That's fantastic. Well, Jay, you're gifted at this, and I'm just grateful that you're doing it for everybody's benefit. Yeah, man. Thanks, Perry. Yeah. Thanks for sitting down today. And also, we will see you this week, Holy Week, praying for this week. May it be just a spiritual week where you're spiritually refreshed and the story, this amazing story of God laying down his life for us. All right. Bye, Calvary.